Today I have the pleasure of talking with Martin Howe, Managing Director at Lilyhead Finance. Hello Martin. First of all, let's kick off with uh, the base rate increase. What impact has it had on borrowers? Okay, I mean, that's a very topical question, Lily. I mean, Bank of England base rate moved up from a very, very modest 0.1% to 0.25% on the 16th of December, so just just, uh, just before the Christmas break. Since then, we have seen a further increase of one quarter percent to a base rate of 0.5% in early February. And uh, the rates have been held at 0.1% since around March 2020, when it dropped in quick succession from three quarters of a percent to quarter of a percent and then to 0.1 percent. And that was that was really the uh, Bank of England's uh, reaction to the challenge presented by COVID in the economy. Um, My view is that business borrowers will not necessarily see an immediate impact. Some lenders will amend repayments as base rate changes, but others will amend monthly repayments at the next annual review of facilities. So, so for example, if we take a £500,000 loan over a 15-year term, then the monthly repayments using a notional two and three quarter percent margin will only increase by around £60 per month. Um, however, lenders will keep an eye on this and they will move repayments up if there's a possibility of the loan not being repaid within the original loan term. So if you've borrowed over a fixed term of 20 years or 15 years, they'll still their aspiration will still be to get the loan repaid within that period. Um, if monthly repayments aren't changed by the bank at this present time, then that increase in base rate, using the previous example, will probably add around four months to the maturity of the loan. Instead of 15 years, it'll be 15 years and four months. So probably not enough at this point to warrant a review of repayments by the bank immediately. But if, but if this increase in rates is sustained or rates actually go higher, then the bank will undoubtedly amend repayments. So in summary, I, I don't believe that a rise in base rate will in itself have a negative impact on bank credit appetite, but it will tend to focus underwriters on serviceability of borrowing um, in a rising interest rate market, that really comes to the fore. So I, I think existing and new borrowers might hear a lot more from banks about fixing rates as one of their options. Um, existing lending, um, I think I think borrowers need to be comforted by the fact, fact that the bank will have stress tested their loan on a much higher base rate, sometimes 3% and often 3.5%. And hence, this relatively small increase of 0.15% in the cost of funds will have been worked into their assessment and and still be within comfort ratios. So I don't see any cause for concern in the short term that credit availability will be tightened. Good. That sounds a pretty reassuring response to that question. Um, Now, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was When we launch practices, I think some people, it's good for them to understand exactly how you step in and how you help people that are working with you and your team. So, you know, as a bit of a sort of segue to this question, obviously, as you know, when we launch a practice for sale, um, on average, we may have anything between sort of three and 15 people come in for that particular practice. And, you know, obviously, Lilyhead Finance works with an awful lot of them. um, And they're going to be shoving the details under your nose as soon as they see something they like. At what stage do you and your team start speaking to the buyers about a practice purchase when they've been shown something that they like? 
Um, I guess I guess the answer to that, Lily, is is really the earlier the better, um, and and certainly well before that Sunday afternoon viewing. Um, whether the client is a first-time buyer or already an experienced practice owner, the journey really starts with establishing their basic search criteria. And by that, I mean is what, what type of practice what type of practice are they looking for? Is it NHS, private, or, or a, mix, a mixed practice? What, what they see as the minimum number of surgeries they would require in that particular target practice have they got any uh, preferences over whether it will be a freehold or a leasehold sale? And obviously, importantly, in terms of uh, family and schooling, what's the ideal geographic location? Um, there will obviously be other criteria based on a buyer's individual circumstances. But the, but the point I'm making really is that once the target profile is established, it's a lot easier to shortlist practices for reviewing. Um, it, it, I'd also say it's, it's in, important at that stage to establish the price bracket, and that's where the broker can can help. And I, and I call it the sort of the Goldilocks rule. Really, it's a, a rule of thumb that if, if it's too small a practice, and there might not be sufficient bottom line initially to compensate uh, for the responsibilities, then at the other end of the scale, it might be too big a transaction, and the level of cash contribution might become too prohibitive for the buyer or too much of a stretch for the management team. So it's, it's got to be in the right price range and the broker can help decide what that is for the buyer. You know, in the Goldilocks scenario, it's just got to be the right porridge temperature, really. Um, yeah. So that, that's why talking to a broker at an early stage about search criteria and the investment budget is important. But it's also important, I think, for the buyer to get an understanding of bank credit appetite not not only the maximum loan to cost on certain types of practice, but also how a bank would look at different scenarios. For example, a referral practice or a practice with a short lease, um, a practice that has a high gross in principle, um, or or maybe a practice, an NHS practice where there's been contract breaches. I mean, all, all require a slightly different approach and, and, and we would welcome discussing these opportunities with clients. So, the experienced credit broker can give answers to the buyer on all those questions. If they say that they'll have to talk to the bank, then it's very likely to con- it's very likely you should conclude that you're probably engaging with the wrong person, because the, the you know the better brokers will know which practices will command the greatest credit appetite, and how potential issues can be overcome, and also what types of practice may require a higher ca- cash contribution or indeed a shorter repayment term. So, so once once the buyer has identified one or more practices that meet their criteria, you know, our, our strong recommendation is that we undertake a desktop review of the practice ahead of the viewing. I mean, all, all we need for that is the practice address, two to three years unabbreviated financial statements, and the sales prospectus, all of which the um, the app the applicant the buyer will have undoubtedly have collected from the sales agent, and in return. For that, the buyer gets back an analysis of the financial performance, historic, and an indicative forecast of trading under their management, that which will encompass how they plan to run it in terms of the number of hours they're going to work at the practice and the amount of grossing they plan to do. And we'll also highlight for them further information that should be sought from the sales agent and, importantly, questions to ask at the viewing if they meet the principle. Uh, clients tell us this sort of type of review is is, is valuable um, exceptionally, we, we may identify issues with the practice which mean it's unsuitable for the buyer 
or it's going to be very difficult to finance. Uh, we all, I think we all find that weekend time is ever more valuable in terms of families. So sometimes we recommend that the uh, the potential buyer save some petrol money. Um, our, our reputation at Lilyhead Finance is really based on that objective analysis. And, and that's really why our established clients seek our input. It's true. And of course, you know, listening to that, it's obvious that you're relying so much on accurate information being given to you from the broker and, and transparent accountancy. Because if you're working and doing the numbers for somebody and the information isn't true, it isn't, then obviously it's not going to stack up, is it? Or if it comes to light later on that there's been some inaccurate uh, information, then obviously that puts everything out skewed. So um, you're relying on timely accurate and the right information that you need it's it's you know these these are big big purchases and there's a lot of money involved so it's it's quite important to um you know to to devil out the detail i mean clearly you know once your accountant you know once the accountant the lawyer on board they'll obviously do you know a an enhanced sort of level of diligence so you know across mm-hmm. a, a number of things but you know that that's that's when you you know you're a lot further down the track and you you may well have committed to to costs so it, it's it's always better to get that first look and get that sort of commercial view on a practice from from people who who, who look who look at practice purchases every day of the week Martin would you say that Lilyhead finance are predominantly focused on first time buyers I literally, they, I mean that that again is is a good question. Obviously, the acquisition market is is, is quite is quite active, um, but we are very keen to talk to existing operators just as much as we're here to support first time buyers. And in fact, you know, we've helped practice owners with a wide range of proposals over the past twelve months. I mean, just just to give you some quick examples, you know, a commercial mortgage to help a dentist partnership buy the freehold of the practice so they could extend upstairs and put in two new surgeries. Um, we helped two dentists who jointly own a large and successful practice, but had very, very different views on a retirement date. So we, we've helped one of the partners to buy out his, his colleague. Um, I spoke to a couple who secured their practice borrowing originally on their matrimonial home, but the bank were resistant to releasing the property, even though the business was trading successfully. And we were able there to broker a refinance with another bank on very competitive terms, and importantly, get their property released. Um, an established operator can sometimes tap into the equity of their existing business to make a follow-on acquisition, and we were able to structure a deal where a small dental group was able to make an acquisition with a purchase price of over a million pounds with 100% funding, so uh, no cash in from the client at all on that on that transaction. So that, they're just a few examples from a busy caseload in the past year which you know, it's included proposals to refinance borrowing to a new lender, acquire practice, relocate a practice, buy out minority shareholders, purchase equipment, fit out new surgeries, um, buy the freehold and extend, extend the premises. So uh, whatever the project, we have the experience and the modelling tools to structure a funding solution. And I really want to encourage dental practice owners to come and talk to us. You're a busy chap, I know, but um, you really are offering a comprehensive service there for everybody. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're keen that there's not anything that falls outside our, our sort of remit. But if there is, we have, you know, we have some very good partners to assist yeah. us with things like, you know, residential mortgages and and specialist asset finance. So there is there, there is every reason for an operator to come and talk to us about their project. So um, 
A typical scenario is a dentist spoken to their existing bank and they've shown a positive interest in a proposal. I often get asked, is there any merit in talking to a credit broker? Because I think the perception is, is that credit brokers are only there to help someone who's not been able to raise the finance. Over to you, Martin. Let's hear what you think. Good. <laughs> another good another good question, Lily. I mean, you know, my, my, my view is that a credit broker should not be used as a last resort. Um, in fact, they should be the first port to call. And we, we always recommend that clients place their funding requirement into a competitive tender to drive the best deal. Um, if the client's existing bank is included in the tender, then all the lenders have the benefit of the same proposal information and financial analysis, so not different stories. And the buyer gets an immediate market view on their proposal from a group of lenders. And importantly, given the introduction volumes we generate for our lending panel, you can be sure of getting very competitive terms even from your existing bank, who's who's aware, of course, they're in competition for the business. I mean, the thing is, clients might assume that their bank knows their business as well as anybody, but with frequent manage, relationship manager changes, and in some places, no relationship manager at all, some mm. gaps can appear in a lender's information base on a client, and some important detail may be out of date. So... A refresh of the business background, its stages of growth, and importantly, the future strategy written up by an experienced credit broker can present mm. the business in a fresh light to the existing bank, but also bring it to the attention of new lenders. Uh, telling the client's story in terms the bank understands and presenting proposals in a way which aligns with the underwriter's core lending parameters is really key to getting the best outcomes. I mean, I... I often say that bankers are from Mars and entrepreneurs are from Venus and they <laughs> and they, they speak very different languages. I mean, I've been on both, you know, both sides of the fence, so I, I sort of understand that. Yeah, you're a gamekeeper turned poacher, aren't well, you, well, in, well, indeed, very, 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 much, very much so. I'm there with my rabbits and my shotgun, but it, it, it's, it's our job to bridge that gap between the two parties, tra do the yeah. translation and marry up their respective objectives so that, that everybody, you know, fulfills what they need to need to achieve in terms of the business transaction. And, and that, that introduction of competitive tendering ensures that all interested lenders approach the proposal on a first price, best price basis. And also, importantly, responses are received in a few days, not weeks. I mean, in business, things need to move quickly. Uh, practices are advertised and then people bid and then they're, off, they're often off the market before people can react. So speed of response is essential. Um, the other thing is the security requirements will also be what's actually required to write the credit and not for the bank what might be nice to have because, again, they know they're in a competitive position, so they're not mm -hmm. going to ask for un unnecessary items of security. Um, the, the other important sort of role of the broker in this is, of course, is to help manage the transaction through the formal underwriting stage and then on to the valuation stage and then help the client identify and deliver the pre-draw conditions. You know, tendering the proposal is really only the first step. Now, the, he the heavy lifting comes next. And, and having that experience in the background does help, as frequently issues do arise in the latter stages of a transaction. And it's important that the client does have someone in their corner on the finance side right, right through to that draw drawdown date. 
sage advice and, and advice that should be, be heeded, absolutely. And I know that you've had an extraordinary year in Lilyhead Finance, underwriting a lot of, a lot of business. So, um, and really it makes sense, doesn't it? Because it, it, what you do mirrors what we do in the sense of we say to clients regularly, you know, don't sell your practice to one or two people that you've been introduced to. Take it to the whole market. You get a whole market view. You not only will get a better price, better terms and potentially a better buyer. And it's the same with funding, isn't it? You need to shop around. You need to know exactly what's out there and not be basically sold a pup by someone that doesn't work for you two, three, five years down the line. Um, so good advice, Martin. You know, and I think, I think Lee, the other thing is, is just just to talk to somebody who's, you know, who's, you know, who's had experience this market for, for, for a lot of years and, and to talk the project through, you know, because some, yeah. you know, it's sometimes there's a different way to cut, to cut the cake. Um, and, you know, unless you kick, kick that thing around, you know, and talk, talk about it, um, you'll never, you'll never find those opportunities. You know, you're, you're just approaching the bank on a, on a, on a bilateral basis. You're not, you're not mm. sort of scouting around and discussing it with other parties. Martin, what are your key messages to buyers for 2022 then? Let's have your summary. <laughs> right. Well, I think firstly, be, be clear on what type of practice you wish to purchase. Um, also, remember cash is still king. So whilst we can get funding at the highest possible loan to value, the borrowers should make sure they've got some cash kept back in reserve to cover the unforeseen. And, and banks do like to see a plan B. So whether that be in liquidity or or, or property assets, they like to see that there's something in the background in case things don't go quite to plan. Um, the other thing is, I think it's important to accept that no no practice is perfect or, or indeed a perfect fit. So, so adopt the 80-20 rule. You know, list all the features, both positive and negative, and then rank them in order of importance to you. Then decide what can be remedied and what cannot before you make a decision as to whether it's a practice you wish to pursue. The other thing is I'd say it's absolutely vital to select a strong group of professionals to support you through the process and beyond into your own practice ownership. Uh, an experienced dental specialist lawyer is obviously key, a strong accountant with good knowledge of the sector. And of course, I would say this, an experienced commercial finance broker. D do your diligence on all these advisors. Check out their online profiles and the recommendations they receive. With brokers, do check they know at least as much and ideally something more about financing a dental practice than their opposite number at the bank. Anything less than that and you risk not getting the right deal. And, and, and do expect to pay fees commensurate with the level of expertise and support you expect to receive. A practice purchase is a major investment. It pays to get it right and a strong support team will protect your interests and your cash. And I think finally, enjoy the experience. I mean, it, you know, I've got to say it can be a challenging and sometimes frustrating journey for, for some, for some uh, buyers, but you know, until you until you get those keys, but it's the job of your professional support team to get you over the hurdles and across the finishing line. So, so, so good luck. You know, talk to us, and we'll be very pleased to speak to you about your proposal. If people want to reach us, they can either email funding at lilyheadfinance.co.uk, 
Our office number is 0333-772-9078. Martin, thank you very much indeed. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you, Lily. All the very best. Cheers. Bye.